What is up, Nux? And welcome to the post-stiffy recap edition of Moose Tracks, joined by Ferd tonight, where we discuss, hey, why was there so much money left on the table this year? Uh, we discussed the pitching inflation, the boogeyman that was before Stiffy, the substance police. What is MLB going to do to crack down, allegedly, on all the pitching cheaters using foreign objects or, or substances? Uh, some surprise undrafted players, the first wave of free agent acquisitions in MK, and of course, then we cap it off with our best buys, where Ferd and I list our top 12 favorite buys of the auction each so turned out to be a pretty good episode hope you enjoy what's up brad how's it going good thanks for jumping on as always no worries man i love it cool yeah good way to break up the week uh so for those listening it's uh wednesday night we're recording which means uh, you probably won't hear this till thursday which means we're one week away from opening day and uh Assuming that these guys stop dropping like flies and there's enough major league players to field rosters, it seems like there's guys getting hurt like every day. Seriously, man. Like, yeah, I just caught, um, shoot, who was it? Somebody else I just saw went down um, just a, like an hour ago. I didn't even see that. I, 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 I'm kind of behind on the news today, but I saw uh, Eloy Jimenez kind of seemed like he hurt his shoulder and trying to. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I didn't see how bad it was, but I mean, even Tatis had a little scare doesn't seem so bad, but yeah, these guys are just getting hurt left and right. So um, I kind of expect that uh, in, in a long season after a short season, but not this early. So, so first and foremost, I, before we, before we jump in, what, what, what are you drinking? Uh, honestly, I haven't cracked anything yet. I was just, I'm kind of like burnt through everything at Stiffy. So I need to reload for this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I don't have any good stuff per se. I'm, my sister got me like a, kind of a beer of the month thing, you know, for like three months or whatever for Christmas. And uh, it's 12 beers a month and it's nothing to write home about, but better than a Coors Light. It's mostly stuff I haven't heard of, but, you know, three-star type beers. This is a Ubu Ale, which is a brown from Lake Placid. I don't know. It's it's fine. It's better than a better than a Miller Light. So, Sounds good. Is it it's just a lager? No, this is, this is a brown ale, um, but yeah, they, they, they usually they give you like three of each for a total of 12. And so they'll do like a, usually like a blonde or a Pilsner, they'll do an IPA, some sort of brown or stout. And then the fourth one is kind of random. So it's all right. Beer's beer. All right. Beer is beer. Um, cool. All right. Well, hey, let's just jump in. There's plenty to cover. Um, let's begin with a stiffy recap. Something that jumped out to me was... Only four managers of the 12 actually spent their entire $260 budget on Saturday. There was $147 left on the table. That's not one, but two Mike Trouts. Um, why do you think we saw so much money left on the table this year? I think it's a factor of things. Um, you know, I left like eight bucks or something. I definitely didn't want to do that. But, you know, I think it was maybe a mixture of, you know, the pitching situation. And I think guys were trying to leave money on the table for having to go on a pitcher if they had to. but Pitching was weird. I thought, you know, there was going to be definitely be a, uh, a surplus, but, or, you know, inflation, but, you know, the first few guys were inflated, but after that guys just kind of dropped back and said, you know, I'm not going to pay $20 for a $5 pitcher. So, you know, I was surprised at that. I thought people would just still drive the price up. Um, and then I think the other factor was, it's what happens when we're not out, allowed out of our house for a year. And I think we all just had a lot of fun and <laughs> started drinking early and just kind of, <laughs> 
by the, the three quarters mark, we were just three sheets to the wind. So I don't think we were really managing our budgets. I think the people left in chairs managed their budgets well, and uh, that those are probably the four. Yeah, I, I was I was definitely uh, feeling it a little more than I probably let on. I was pretty, I was buzzing pretty good. Um, yeah, interesting point about about the pitching, right? So um, the top guys, some of the top guys, maybe went for a few more bucks than they would have in a normal year. Scherzer, you know, I think hit fifty. Hendricks, I think you know Hendricks went for thirty, uh, but I I don't think that was crazy. Like I think in a in a quote unquote normal year, he probably would have went for like twenty five. I think he's earned it at this point. He's kind of proven that he's a He's a peripheral breaker, right? Like he's he's just so good with his command that he breaks uh, xFIP and 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 the like. So I think he would have still been like twenty five, even if there wasn't a you know a surge of, of demand at the top. But um, yeah, pitching was strange. So the last three to four seasons, the league spent exactly thirty three percent on pitching. Uh, exactly the last three or four years. This year, do you want to take a guess on how much the average team spent on pitching? Oh man, um, I'm guessing it's going to be lower. Let's go 25. Uh, it's about 20, almost 30 percent, 29 point, 29 and change. So, yeah, those, some of those top guys went for more, but then they 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 really kind of drew back, and and maybe that is why some money got left out there. People were kind of you know hoarding it for the end. Um, but yeah, Ken Ken spent the most on pitching, 107 bucks, 50 of that is Degrom. I was the low man uh, spending a mere 38 dollars. But as far as you know some of the other observations i mean we saw the hyperinflation at the top as always you know trout did end up breaking the record going for 73 uh, a little short of my my prediction the 77 the, we saw the the prices stabilize a bit in the middle as they usually do and then some deflation at the end of the draft where there was just more talent um available than money available so we saw player after player seemingly going for a buck or two and that's all it's all in alignment with with previous stiffy trends with, with the strange exception of some, some crazy inflation near the end in that closers market, I don't know if you were in any of those battles. I know for me, I had about 12 bucks penciled in for my last hitting spot, and I kind of looked around my board, and I'm like, I don't see anyone I want to spend that money on. So I, I pivoted and, and threw a couple bucks at Joe Adele as a stash, and then I, I looked at my starting pitching, and I realized that you know, there was more targets than spots available. So I'm like, I don't have to really spend there. So I, I moved some money down to, to a relief pitcher spot, which I didn't plan on doing. Um, and then there was this, like this, this run on some of the mid to lower tier closers. I think I spent like, or didn't spend, I bid up to like $14 for Rafael Montero, who I think is the closer in Seattle um, and didn't even win the bid. Nick won it. So, you know, he went for more money than a Chapman. Um, and it, that was the point. I'm like, all right, there's going to be money left on the table, but, I don't want to go all in on, on a mediocre closer and then forfeit control of the end game. I still wanted to have some money to be able to not get sniped on all those $1 guys at the end. And so I would say also in the back of my mind was, was the salary cap. I mean, I wasn't intentionally trying to not spend my money, but once I kind of realized that there was going to be some money left over, um, I knew that money, that $14 would technically hurt my team coming out of the draft, but those dollars are not completely lost this year. You know, now that we've, we've got to navigate and operate under that $400 cap, um, gives me a little bit more flexibility to build my team via trade. So I, I just didn't feel as pressured as I would in previous seasons to just make sure I spent it because it, we're not quite in a use it or lose it environment that we have in the past. No, I definitely agree. Um, <clears throat> I was like you said, like I, my plan was I wasn't even going to bid on pitching. I had my five guys and was hoping to just land a couple guys for a buck that I had targeted and, Honestly, didn't really land. I landed one of them, maybe two. Um, 
you know, I, I ended up with Boyd for three bucks. I thought some, like I said, I just thought people were going to spend a little bit more than the normal. I think I threw them out there for three bucks to start the bid and everybody just laughed at me. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, like I said, like I was just kind of surprised and, you know, it, it's not even the money because I had money left over. It's just, it takes that spot. And then there was a bunch of guys that went for a buck, you know, after that or in the supplemental that I'd much rather have had. And so, um, you know, I don't know if it was just me or if I'm, you know, kind of inflating it, but, you know, starting pitching just had me kind of thrown off. There was just no, you know, you know, top tier arms. Maybe like you said, Scherzer, maybe Grinky Hendricks is in that conversation, but besides those in Carrasco, but he's hurt besides those four guys, like, you know, there's nobody that was really available that I could just, you know, feel like if they were my ace, I'd be comfortable. Um, so I just thought pitching kind of just through, you know, just kind of messed with my head a little bit. Um, I think I maybe just overthought that. Um, but I think there's a ton of value in there. Um, you know, especially when it comes to midseason trades or, you know, next year, um, for keeper situations, I think we're going to have a lot of cheap, you know, mid tier guys for a buck that are, you know, 15, $20 pitchers next year. Yeah. This year in particular, I was, I went pretty risk averse with pitching, not necessarily with the guys I selected. I mean, like Andrew Haney is injury history and so does Griffin Canning and, and Zach Eflin already has a, a an achy back, but, but it's more risk averse as far as like, I'm not going to really spend on pitching this year because of, and this may just be narrative, but because of the potential for guys to get hurt even more often this year than, than previous years due to the circumstance, you know, what, that we're coming off of from last year. And so I wasn't even planning on spending $5 on an Andrew Haney or a Herman Marquez, but I, I just didn't like that they were going as cheap as they were, but yeah, it, it was by design for me to go this cheap this year, but it was, it was, I was surprised to see just how many good deals were still out there. Um, uh, it, not even just in the end game, but kind of in the middle game, there's, there's a couple other picks that like Barrios for 10 bucks was like, what? I think he was 10 somewhere around there, yeah, but exactly. it was just some really good buys. Um, it surprised me and, and that I didn't jump in on because I didn't plan on spending that money. I didn't want to blow up my whole, like I kind of knew I wanted to spend things. And now in retrospect, leaving 14 on the table, of course, I'd rather have a Barrios than a, than a Griffin canning. But um, at the time it was just too early for me to, to, to blow up my strategy. So some guys got some good buys there. There's no doubt about it. And speaking of pitching, you know, Sean posted this morning, um, this wasn't on the rundown, but you probably saw this that, about the the comprehensive plan for MLB to crack down on pitchers who are using uh, Ill illegal substances. And so they plan on monitoring spin rates via StatCast. They plan on having league officials check the balls in between innings like they're allegedly going to crack down. Do you think they'll actually enforce this? And if so, as a Trevor Bauer owner, how concerned are you for him? Because he is obviously someone who started using a substance, his spin rates increased by an insane and, and unprecedented 400 RPMs. Um, what, do, what do you think about this from, from Major League Baseball? Uh, it's obviously a little concerning, but it's just like anything, you know, it's going to affect everyone. Like I think Bauer is clearly the one everybody wants to make fun of because, you know, everybody hates him. Um, he's so, you know, divisive, but um, he clearly probably used it last year, but I think guys like Cole have been using it. Uh, a lot of those Astros pitchers, um, I think, and this isn't the most rip on the Astros, I think, you know, 80% of these pitchers are doing something. So I think it's one of those things. I saw a tweet from, I think it was, um, maybe it was another Buster Olney tweet, or it was from one of those um, kind of veteran um, guys who basically just said, it's always been kind of an unwritten rule that each manager kind of just turns their head because, you know, their guys are doing it. So we know your guys are doing it. Let's just both agree to just keep our mouth shut and, 
you know, I think it might just be one of those things where MLB might just be saying it to, to look good, but you know, maybe they really are going to crack down and, but it's going to affect everyone. So it'll just, I think all be, um, you know, relative and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say a guy's going to go from a two ERA to a four ERA, but, um, who knows? It's going to affect some people. I think more than anything, the different ball might be different too, because from what I gather, you know, the seams are a little bit different. So, um, you know, maybe they'll pick up games there where they can feel like they have a better grip on the ball. So, um, and then another thing I read was that the, the trigger to have MLB test these things is if there's like a major outlier in the day, in the stat cast data, that will trigger them to look into it further. But, you know, if everybody's been cheating for, for the last, you know, X amount of years for their, whatever their career, um, you know, I don't want to say their full whole career, but let's just say their whole career. It's, you know, the data is going to show it's the baseline's already there. So, you know, what's going to jump out. So I don't know. Um, it's all kind of vague and tinfoil hatty and, you know, you just kind of got to go with it and it's definitely going to impact power. It's going to impact other guys. So, um, it is what it is. Right, right. Yeah, you can effectively, if you've been cheating long enough, you're effectively like grandfathered into not being flagged, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, if they're going to, yeah, you said, you know, you venture 80% or so, or someone said 80% are using something. I, I've heard the same. So, you know, can we can we identify who the 20% are who are not going to get worse while 80% do? Like, no, we really can't. Um, so I don't think it's really actionable. It's just going to be interesting to see how they handle it because, you know, when we talked about Bauer, I think this was back a few months ago, and, and we were talking about, like, the keeper pod, and um, or maybe it's the free agent prediction pod, and, and that was my one criticism was, like, hey, if they crack down on this, and it, he seems like he would be a target just because, like, if they were going to target somebody, it would be him because of outspoken he is and, how he's kind of shits on Manfred, but if they're going to target him, they can't, the union won't let him get away with it unless they do really, you know, put this out there unilaterally. So, um, but you, you named the, the perfect name drop is that let's not forget how all this hoopla started was Bauer calling out Garrett Cole, basically saying like, I know you're cheating. And if you look at Cole's fastball spin rate year by year in 2015, he was in the 39th percentile. Then the 37th percentile, 2017, he was a 33rd percentile, 2018, he goes, to Houston, 81st percentile, 95th percentile, <laughs> last year, 94th. So from from considerably below average to absolutely elite. Um, so if they are going to crack down on this, it's enormous, not for some, not just for someone like Trevor Bauer, but his rival Garrett Cole. And, and you know, do, do they do that? Does he get a pass? Because, you know, the MLB tends to – a lot of people think they just kind of take care of the Yankees. I don't know. Like, it, it's cool. – it, and I'm also a believer, like, of, you know, it's like everything. It's like piracy in, you know, on the internet. It's like, if you're going to put out a rule to block people to do something, they're going to find a way to get around it. So, you know what I mean? Like, steroids are illegal, but, you know, I guarantee you there's still people using them. Um, it is what it is. Like, maybe they're trying to crack down on the guys. Like, I know there's a guy on the Angels, um, you know, uh, road staff, the road clubhouse, who was uh, kind of known for, like, doctoring balls for guys. You know, so maybe that's what they're trying to do is crack down on those guys. But these players, I think, want to, you know, if they have a substance on their fingers or whatever, like they're going to figure out a way. Yeah, maybe you know, they, they, I like the piracy analogy. Like maybe they're not going to go after the people who are streaming, a.k.a. the pitchers. They're going to go after the, the, you know, the contributors, the uploaders, who are the guys who are actually, you know, doctoring the balls in mass for you know, whether it be the clubby attendees. I don't know. I don't really don't know what they're going to do. I think if. I think it's probably a good thing if they really did, you know, not only, you know, um, 
reprimand these guys because I think it would be good for the strikeout rates, but uh, we'll see. I, I, I have little confidence in MLB to not fumble this. So, um, <laughs> well, it's just we'll like too on. much. They're tinkering with too but, much. Like that's like I, I'm not against that. Like it's just it's an unwritten thing. It's been going on in the game. Like the whole you know they're trying to mess with the ball to adjust you know the runs scored and this and that. And so it's just I'm sure the reason for this is they want to reduce strikeouts. Um, you know, to reduce the three true three outcomes. So, you know, it's just, I get what they're trying to do, but it's just like at the same time, it's like, let's, you know, let's just take one step at a time. Like there's other ways to go about things. Like, you know, then like, you know, from what I've heard and maybe I'm just, you know, being I'm in denial because of, you know, the Bowers and whatnot, but um, you know, uh, from what I've heard is a lot of batters would prefer them to have this grip because they don't want to get beamed. <laughs> I've heard that too. I don't know how true that is. Uh, Trevor Plouffe kind of uh, unofficially contested that, basically saying that, hey, if 80% of the hitters were corking their bats, do you think the pitchers, like, they wouldn't be up in arms about this shit, right? So, <laughs> true point. Um, but we'll, we'll move on. We got plenty to cover. Uh, so, Fern, I was, I was building my watch list. Once the, you know, once the rosters are loaded, it's easier to see kind of who's still out there. And, you know, I always like to go through there and, star a couple of guys to keep an eye on it. And I came across a few surprise names, guys, guys who I would have thought would have been drafted or, or bid on. And, and I'm not, of course, I'm not asking you to reveal your watch list if there are guys who are, you're looking to add in the next week or so, but if there are any names you're willing to reveal that, that really surprised you that, that just weren't bid on or drafted last weekend. Uh, yeah. Um, there's some pitchers out there. I'm not going to keep, like you said, I'm not going to give them all away because I want to, keep them to myself, even though I'm sure they're on most people's watch list. But, um, you know, th- honestly, there wasn't a lot of guys that I was super surprised with. Um, you know, I'm just kind of looking through the list right now. And like, honestly, there's really nobody that really struck out to me. I think you mentioned it or somebody mentioned it um, after we kind of, after the draft and we settled down um, is uh, I was surprised nobody took a, you know, dollar, $2 flyer on like Clevenger. Um, I'm surprised that not now it's kind of useless. Like, you know, we, if I pick them up, I, I'm, you know, I'm not getting any keeper value out of them. So, uh, you know, maybe a guy like Joey Votto, I know he's completely a, a shell of his former self, but he still draws walks and still has a good batting average or for the most part, like a respectable one. Um, you know, he's going to be an 800 to 900 OPS. Like, you know, I'm just surprised he's not somebody's bench. Um, you know, if he gets off to a hot start or just gets streaky, you know, he's just a professional hitter. I'm kind of surprised there, but I can see why he's not on somebody's roster. Um, other than that, uh, there's really nobody that surprises me. Like a guy like Randall Gritchuk, uh, some cheap, easy power, but that team's kind of crowded now. And he's he's kind of, I think, the fourth outfielder. Um, they said there's some pitchers. I don't want to reveal them all. Um, but, you know, I, people take flyers on pitcher pitching, but, you know, looking at the guys that were drafted, like I can see the case of, you know, you're just choosing, you're splitting hairs. Sure. Yeah. Clevenger, I remember that conversation that he's worthless now. He's not pitching this year. So there's, yeah. there's just, there's zero point, but you know, we've seen guys make that move before to, even if it's just, I'm not going to keep him. I'm going to flip him at the deadline, but perhaps just an oversight there. He was kind of on my list, but I just didn't know if I want to deal with that. And especially not knowing what the deadline is going to look like this year, you know, those $1 guys might not get as much in return and, and, you only have so much cap to work with, so is it worth it? So, uh, but he was, yeah, he was on the list. A couple others just jumped out to me along those lines. Spencer Torkelson, you know, first overall oh, yeah. pick in the draft last year. Um, Detroit Tigers, really 
unlikely to be up this year. So kind of like Clevenger, pretty much worthless now. Um, someone could stash him, but you're not even getting a DL spot. You're, you're burning a bench spot. You can't keep him, and he might come up, and will he hit when he comes up right away? Like the, I just think he's, he's useless. But a dollar or so on that guy would have been something I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised to see. I think uh, uh, in, in what we predicted accurately to be a pretty light prospect market, um, he was one guy I thought would get scooped up, and then he went undrafted. So wait till next year. And then the other one that jumped out to me, and he's still out there, and, and but it's uh, I, I don't think I'll pronounce his name correctly. Uh, his son Kim, the the import from in, in San Diego. Um, I understand why he didn't get a lot of hoopla because now they they brought in they have Cronenworth already. They brought in they brought back Jerks and Profar. So there's like, is he going to play every day? Um, he's having a terrible spring, which I know that we don't really care too much about spring training numbers, but when we have no major league experience, that's kind of all we can go off so far is like, is this game, is his game going to translate from the KBO to the major leagues? Um, so far, not at all. It probably will be okay to some point, but, um, just for, for, there was a lot of, you know, he got a lot of attention when he came over. So I, I think if we had the draft a couple months ago, when before they signed Profar, before he had a bad spring, someone would have taken a shot on him as a power speed middle infielder. And he's just floating out there right now. And, and he's on my watch list. I'm curious to see how he does, but I, I won't be jumping in. He's going to have to show me something first because I just don't know what they're going to do there. No, absolutely. He's actually on my watch list too. And kind of the same reasons you said is I was thinking about him in the draft at a certain point, or especially in the uh, supplemental, but I, I, I looked into a spring. I saw how hard it was and, you know, the more I read and the more research I did is I really think Cronenworth's going to maybe be their everyday second baseman or at least play a majority there and play some outfield. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of like there's a lot of names out here, too. Like if you wanted to go like, you know, like I think Colton Wong's like another guy that I was kind of surprised because he provides some, you know, 15 steals with he's not going to kill you in, in pop. You know, he's not going to win you anything with home runs, but he's not going to hurt you. Um, and he's going to, you know, have a 260 batting average and it plays um you know for the stolen bases so like you know i'm just surprised guys like that but you know it's i think fantasy baseball especially with the analytics is it's just coming down to it's turning into fantasy football with running backs like it's just like so many committees now and splits and it's just like you know you'll take a guy with subpar ratios but if he's going to get 500 600 at bats as opposed to 400 you're taking them <clears throat> right well yeah that was another sidebar conversation after the draft, I, I don't remember who was part of it, but I think you were. Um, but I, I made the comment, like, if I had a crystal ball and if I could just project one stat with a complete accuracy, I would choose plate appearances, right? Because you, kind of, you can kind of predict the rest of the stuff to fall in line with however much opportunity a guy gets. And obviously health is a big part of that. But then just, is the guy going to play every day? And is he, if he's, where is he going to hit in the order? Um, because the the same the exact same player getting 650 plate appearances versus 550 is like I, I would venture 20 or 30 dollar difference like it's absolutely enormous um, uh, as far as you know what just opportunity uh, provides in terms of production and so um, yeah if for for a guy like Wong he, right now I think he's going to lead off I think he's going to play every day but then they, they can get pretty jammed up pretty quickly uh, in that infield too and then. Who knows? So that that is becoming the I wouldn't even call it the market and efficiency. That's like the, the challenge of, of this game that we play now is is more guys going to kind of those committees to those platoons. Um, I think that the next step too is going to be like 
analytics, internal analytics for teams on how do we keep guys healthy and how do we keep them fresh? Kind of like, like the NBA, right? Load management is a big thing. And I think that's coming in baseball too. And that's why I had, you know, I know you and I were having some discussions around, um, Dylan Moore and, you know, to trade to, you know, to, you needed some, you wanted some middle infield uh, depth, but it's just like, I just value that position flexibility so much. And it's not just that a guy can play one or two positions. The guy can pretty much play any infield position or outfield. And it's like, you know, like I just, you need that when, you know, guys aren't going to be playing, you know, uh, 150 games are going to be played more like 130, um, you know, and that's why I like yeah. Guriel a lot right this year. And, you know, I just, you know, I want those guys that have position flexibility and even, my shorts, uh, I'm not trying to go into my team, but just like with my shortstop, you know, Jimenez isn't a big guy, but, you know, just middle infield, but it's just like, you know, he's pretty much, I think, going to be their starting shortstop from what I gather. And it's just, he's going to get stolen bases. And that's just what I'm going for there. Yeah, that, that was an area I kind of lucked into last year. Going into last year's draft, I placed a lot of emphasis on multi-position eligibility just to get the absolute most out of my offense. And then obviously we had the auction before COVID and then COVID comes around and with all these guys sitting out all the time, like there was even more value on that last year, which I didn't draft because of that. Obviously it was before the pandemic, but it really paid dividends. And I think it's going to continue to, and it's interesting because this year there's a lot of multi-position eligibility since Yahoo grandfathered all that stuff in from 2019. Um, And then next year, I think those guys will be more valuable because there's going to be fewer of them uh, next year. There should be. So um, but I do think that they're, they're worth an extra buck or two. That's for sure. All right. So, um, gosh, so who we talk about? We talk about Cam Torkelson, Clevenger. You know, I'll, here we go. Here's, how, how about this for a segue? Um, we're talking about injured pitchers. Justin Verlander went undrafted, and uh, which is under, understandable. Obviously, had Tommy John. He'll be nearly 40 years old for and over a year removed from pitching come opening day next year. So I can understand why no one's trying to stash him because it's who knows if the contract will even be valuable, but it is possible, maybe unlikely, but possible that he actually returns later this year. And if the Astros are making a run, which they should, um, he could be up in August or September even. And that's obviously Kumite time for us. And so he could be a contributor this year. Eli made a really nice scoop and just tossed him straight onto his, his DL spot. Um, I, I don't know that he'll reap any benefits from it, but it was a, it was a zero risk move and a savvy one at that. So, there's been a few other, about a, a half dozen other free agent acquisitions this week since uh, the, the barn doors are open. Any of those jump out to you? Um, no, I definitely like that Verlander. Um, you know, I, I didn't really put too much thought into him and I probably should have. So Eli definitely did his due diligence there. Um, like you said, if with an IL spot, why not just, you know, we still have, you know, a couple weeks before the start of the season. So just use your, use your, add this week for for him throw him on your il and you know call it a day and you know you don't have to really worry about it that's that could be huge um i uh other than that like it was kind of hard like um i picked up uh christian javier um i was kind of torn between him and some other guys but it's just a crapshoot here it's just kind of like you know like zach davies i saw got picked up i was kind of surprised he didn't get drafted actually um uh, you know, I know he's not a power pitcher, a finesse pitcher, but he just seemed to kind of figure out and kind of learned how to pitch last year and um, relied a lot more on his changeup and seemed to work. But he's changing teams and ballparks, so who knows? But um, I definitely uh, was interested to see, yeah, Eli pick up Verlander. Uh, 
like I said, I, I, I know somebody went really high on sale. I think that might've been demand and was <laughs> maybe uh, had a little too much to drink at that point and wasn't really listening to other than uh, Ken pushing him to, to sign him. But uh, I think something like Verlander could be a huge ad for a guy like Eli. And I think that's just a really smart move and wish I thought of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't know why demands being so critical of himself on that sale buy. Um, I actually had him priced at exactly $14, which was um, what he paid for him. And I think it's I, the reason I would pay that for him is because a, you get to stash him away. B he could be a good keeper contract and C when he is due back is when our season matters, right? Not that all the games don't matter, but obviously September matters more. The risk with him is that if the Red Sox are out of it and he's already had like a setback with his neck and I think some other illness, like maybe he doesn't pitch at all, but at the worst case, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't hate that buy as much demand seems to hate it. I think there's plenty of value there with, with Chris sale. I, I did. I also, also like um, cups edition of, of Zach Davies. He's kind of, He's kind of grabbed this reputation in the past year of being a little bit of a, a Kyle Hendricks light with just elite, elite command. That's one thing Davies demonstrated last year. There's a good chance it was kind of fluky. He could be terrible this year because he doesn't have the stuff to get away with it if, if he's not really locating the ball perfectly. Um, but with what's currently out there, I think that's a, you know, a good arm to, to scope out and, and see if he did actually make that transformation. Um, like that Jimmy added Jake McGee, who I think could be the front runner for the saves out in San Francisco. Um, had I been more sober, I probably would have opted for him in the supplemental over my dart throw on Adam Adovino out in Boston, which by the way, I mean, can we make a trade or what? Like, you can lock up the saves in Beantown with that <laughs> handcuff. You've got bars. <laughs> Let me get you out of, Vino. you can just wait it out, see who gets the job. You got a closer. I think there's a deal to be had. <laughs> All right. We'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> A uh, couple others, D grabbed Justin Upton, not over the moon for Upton, but he definitely got, he needed to do that. He was, he, he had no bench bats and he's got some hitters with playing time concerns. You know, Otani isn't going to love that pick. Going to talk about him later, um, but he's not going to play every day. Miguel Andujar is not going to play every day. Like there's, he needs some bench I bats. So that was Upton was on my list in the draft, the watch list. And I probably really would have taken him in the supplemental if I really sat down and thought about it or thrown a dollar if I had it. So I think he has some bounce back. Like, you know, we're, we're not going to see prime Justin Upton, but I think we could see 260, 270 with 25 home runs and still maybe eight to 10 stolen bases and in a perfect world. But, you know, all it cost him was dropping a middle reliever. So it was a good pickup. Yeah, no, it was, it was the right move for him. I'm, I'm, I'm not as optimistic on the batting average as Upton for Upton, but I think the power could still very much be there. Um, and so what else do we got here? Really nice ad by Ken grabbing Christian Vasquez as his catcher. He, he drafted Ali Rushman, who certainly won't break camp on the big league roster, so he'll need a catcher. Uh, Ken did ask us in one of the comments. He said, hey, talk about my Rushman buy. So I'll honor that as an informal mailbag request. Do you have any thoughts or insight on Adley Rushman, whether it be about his skills or his ETA? What do you got on him? Um, I don't know much about his ETA. Um, I like him from everything I read. He's supposed to be you know, the top catching prospect um, in baseball, and it's, he's supposed to have a great bat. Uh, you know, but the only thing that worries me, it's a buck. So he has nothing to lose. And, you know, like sitting him on his bench and replacing him with a, you know, a, a pickup catcher off the wire. It's, he's not losing anything. Like, cause outside, in my opinion, you know, outside the top five catchers or so, like just take whoever's available or who's right, you know, dump them and ride the hot hand. So, um, I don't hate it at all. My only concern would be, you know, uh, you hear a lot about these elite catchers and they can hit and, you know, you go back and I feel like, Buster Posey and Real Muto's 
can mash. So, you know, that's fair, but um, you know, like Joey Bart, he came up last year and was kind of whatever. He didn't really light you on fire, at least with the bat. I don't know what his defensive numbers say, but uh, you know, Matt Weeders was supposed to be a stud and, you know, he never really lived up to the hype. So, you know, but you know, it's a catcher. So what do you want out of that position? A 250 plus batting average with, you know, 20 home runs, then it's, that's, that's a great catcher. Right. Yeah. Everything I hear, Rushman's a, a blue chip prospect. I mean, former number one overall pick, he, he's got to be great park to hit in. You know, it's a high school ballpark pretty much, but yeah, I just, I, I, I don't chase catching prospects, you know, catchers are, they're brutal enough due to, you know, they don't play every day, even the best ones. They get beat up behind the plate. It's just not my style to sit on the catching prospect. You made the Weeders comp. I think that's that's the one I was going to make, even if it's a little – maybe it's just a little cliche because he was a switch-hitting, you know, top prospect in the Baltimore organization. So maybe, that, maybe that's why we draw those comparisons. But um, he was never great, right? Like, he was an elite prospect. He was a good real player because he was a good catcher who could hit a little bit. Um, but – yeah, it's just it's just not. I mean, it can very well pan out for him, uh, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be a dead spot for Ken this year. See what you can get for him at the trade deadline if he goes that route. Um, but I don't think we're going to see Rushman this year because the Orioles. I mean, they're going to be terrible again. Their 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 window's not open yet, and there's there's zero reason to get his clock started. So um, when he gets up, you know, in a year or so, he could easily ascend to you know, being the top catcher. But what is the top catcher worth? That's that's up for debate, right? I mean, even Romuto, who I love, is like we saw him get a freak thumb injury, which fortunately doesn't look too bad for him this year. But that's the kind of the, the the bumps and bruises you take at that position, and so it's not where I not where I would want to hang on to a long term asset. Then um, just a couple other ads to wrap it up. Eli he also scooped uh, Hector Neris. He's in the mix for saves out in Philly, um, and then Boots was kind of forced into Jordan Romano. Uh, the reliever in Toronto with Kirby Yates, presumably heading for Tommy John. Um, the skipper out in, in Toronto basically said, we're going to go committee, but Romano seems to maybe be a, you know, kind of have the whole shot to be, to lead the team in saves in Yates's absence. And when Boots, when he spent the money he did on Yates, he kind of had to do it. So even if he might not be the full-time closer, he's kind of got to take a shot on him. No, yeah, I don't disagree. It's, I think he's clearly the front runner. He probably has the best stuff. Um, but you know, from what I'm reading, like you said, it's going to be probably committee and, you know, I know Dolis is in the, in the mix. So beginning of the year, he's probably going to see two out of every three saves would be my guess. They'll probably give Dolis a shot to just see what he's doing. And you just hope he doesn't blow it before Dolis does, <laughs> because, you know, that just seems to be the case when you go back to committee. It's, you know, once a guy blows one or two, it's like they kind of lose, lose that chance and then they just go to the next guy. So, you know, I think he's clearly the front runner and, you know, I, I I never know. Like, you know, I, it's kind of silly to me to blow your hundred dollar waiver right off the bat, but you know, it is what it is. And, you know, after, after this time, like, you know, who are we really spending waivers on? But there's guys in the middle of the year who get dropped by a team just because they need to, you know, they need to add a pitcher and they have too many second basemen and hell man, that second baseman, I want there, you know, four or five guys are going to want. So you want some, you want some waiver budget, but you know, I don't blame them. I, you know, I don't think he necessarily had to go, and replace him with the Blue Jays closer. Like you said, like Jake McGee was out there. I think there's a couple other closers I'm watching, um, you know, Leclerc's out. So, you know, who's going to win that job. So I'm just of the mindset, like kind of just let spring training play out. And next week I'll probably try to, to jump on one of those guys when it's more clear and set and who the, who's going to have a role. You, you make an interesting point about the waiver budget. And I think tying back to 
another unintended, but I think a good consequence of the the salary cap is it could bring the waiver budget back into play because in previous years, let's say you've got a twenty dollar outfielder who is putting up just a an average season, um, and now you're looking at your watch list and you've got an outfielder who as a free agent would be $10 and he's going to put up similar numbers the rest of the way out, you know, according to your forecast, it makes sense to actually save the money, right? It makes sense to drop that $20 outfielder for the $10 outfielder. If you think you're going to get equal production and you can buy yourself a little bit of budget space um, to make some trades at the deadline, like it actually, it does matter this year. And so, in that scenario, does that $20 outfielder or someone else go, oh, shit, I kind of got a little hard on for this guy, you know, and there's two or three guys who are going to bid for him. Like, we could actually see Fab come into play this year. Probably not much, but it might happen once or twice as guys try to kind of navigate the, the salary cap. Well, and I also like it in the sense of, you know, like right now we're all trying to chase closers, but, you know, in the middle of the year when guys start blowing saves and losing jobs, we're going to be in the same situation. So, you know, I'd rather have my money then when you know you kind of have a more clear cut you know i have two or three months of you know of, of this setup guy's numbers to go to feel confident that he's going to get the job and he's going to hold it so you know there's always guys that come out of nowhere just rookie arms that are you know second third year guys who just have learned something and just tear it up or get moved from a starter to a, a bullpen and just add two or three miles an hour to their you know velocity or whatnot so to me, I'd just rather have the money in the middle of the season when you kind of have a little bit more to judge these guys on. All right. For, let's move to the main event. So usually in this uh, episode, we do best buys and bust buys. But you know what? It's a new season. Everyone's in the hunt. We're not going to talk shit. We're just going to gas people up. We're going to talk about the twelve, our 12 favorite buys of the of the, the Stiffy. Um, 12 each. We're going to do it in a countdown fashion. So our 12th you know, favorite to our, our very favorite buy of the draft. Um, each of you listening will have at least one. It, it should be two, but maybe Ferd and I agree and have the same buy. Um, you know, everyone's going to get some representation here. We're just going to you know, throw some love around. And like I said, get everyone excited for, for their chances to uh, put their name on the trophy. So um, I will let you lead off, Ferd. Who was your 12th favorite buy of the, of the draft? My 12th favorite buy of the draft would probably have to be it's kind of it's hard <laughs> it's like now we're just splitting hairs on you know on, on this and that but uh, i'm gonna go with one dollar garrett hampson i um i think he's gonna be their everyday center fielder and i think he you know anybody that hits in that ballpark is gonna have a an inflated average he they you know i think he has 20 to 30 stolen base speed um if he plays every day uh, so i do think that was a sneaky a sneaky buy who grabbed Hampson? Uh, Brandon. Cut. Okay, there we go. Yeah, and I think he's got some positional, multi-positional eligibility too, right? Yeah, he's an infielder, and then he's going to be their outfielder, center fielder. So, um, you know, I know it's not a sexy pick. People are probably just going to be like, what? But, uh, you know, I, 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 I really was eyeing him, and I, I, I like that. I, I think he's going to I think he's gonna do some um, – steal some – again, like it comes on a stolen base, which is just such a scarcity that, you know, you get a guy that has 20 to 30 stolen base ability for a buck, like, then he's not going to kill you in batting average yeah. or power. You know, he's still probably going to hit double digit power. It's there's value there. Yeah. There's a lot of really smart people that are big on Hampson. I'm, I'm not as much so, but I think it's because I'm an OPS snob and I just know that that probably won't be there. But if, I mean, if he can go out there and go like 
1530. <laughs> that's you, you can deal with like a 730 OPS. That's a really good season. And, um, you know, with Colorado, the sky's the limit. And, and I do, it does look like they they're positioning him to play every day. So that's been a frustration in, in previous years of this, you know, him not getting the run. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a pretty good pick. I went with uh, $6 Ramon Laureano for Keith may come as a, a surprise to some, you know, because of, uh, I kept Laureano 17 bucks last year and he had a terrible season. There were some comments made as he, as he was auctioned on Saturday that he was dead to me. I didn't say it. Someone else did think the man and um, someone else, uh, maybe it was the man too said, Oh, if only defensive stats counted alluding to the fact that Laureano is just an elite center fielder, which he is. Um, Laureano, he's not dead to me. I just didn't have plans for him this year. Uh, he was terrible last year, but you know, do we really know how much to weigh a, a player performance in a bizarre 60 game season where all these guys were out of their element. Um, he offers the power and the speed. And to some extent, even in fantasy baseball, defense does count. Going back to that crystal ball, can we predict plate appearances? Well, an elite center fielder like Loriano, he's going to play every day. So um, I think that this was a, a really good buy. He's He's got like a 25-15 type of year that is – definitely attainable for him and he could hit a top of the order. So you know, the, the order of my top 12 is pretty fluid because these, like you said, they're all kind of splitting hairs. These are all pretty close. So no knock to Keith that it was only my 12 favorite buy. I think that was a, a really good buy and Loriano could be not just deliver a really nice season. If he returns to you know, kind of what he did in, in 18, 19, um, he could easily be a keeper at that price. So uh, let's number 11 for, I'm going to go with, Ken and Dylan Carlson um, for four bucks. Um, I know he didn't really do much last year um, in his brief, uh, you know, in his first kind of cup of coffee, but uh, I think he has all the skills. He has the pedigree um, and, you know, for four bucks, uh, you know, I think that could turn out to be, a, you know, a top 20 outfielder in two or three years. And, you know, once you have to extend his contract, I think you'll have a really good understanding of where he's at, but, um, I'm high on Carlson, and I uh, I like that for four bucks. I definitely think in the plays this year, um, I think he's going to have a, a pretty relatively strong year. And um, you know, for four bucks, I really like it. And like I said, the pedigree and being a keeper league, um, you know, yeah. it's you you have to add that little a little bit of value. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I kept a close eye on on Carlson last year. He was my my last sup pick, so I had him for five bucks and held him and. Um, terrible for like the first month of the season and then i don't remember if i draw i think oh i traded him but um he he, he started to make a lot of progress in the, in the second half of the season which is only you know the second month of august or whatever it was or september um but contact rate started getting better power started getting better like he showed signs of okay i'm adjusting and yeah you've already pointed out the pedigree he seems slated to play every day don't know where it'll hit in the order but yeah i think that was a a good buy of a guy who's, who's should be, even though he hasn't proven anything yet, should be pretty safe. Like there should be no, there's no like collapse risk in, in that $4 buy. And it's, and there's just all upside. So I think that was a good buy for number 11. I went with $2 Marco Gonzalez um, for Nick. And really this is just due to in a year where I think innings pitch could be at a premium. I think he's a simming, seemingly safe innings either. Right. Like he, I think even though they're doing a six man rotation, those don't usually last. He'll probably still find his way to 30 starts, which means 180 plus innings because he just goes deep into games. He's going to give it the very least a great K to walk. The K's are he's they sneakily add up. Not, not that he has a great, you know, K per nine, but just throw enough innings. They're going to they're going to compile. 
Um, gives you a good whip since he doesn't walk guys. I'm sure he'll regress from the year he had last year. He was excellent, um, but he was my top supplemental target. I thought he would sneak through there. Not someone I wanted to give a $1 or $2 dollar contract to because I don't really know that he's got a lot of long-term upside, um, but I thought someone I could grab in the first or second on the supplemental um, who would be kind of a fortify the rotation, and Nick jumped all over that, and I think um, we'll, we'll get a nice return there. All right, into the top 10, Ferd. Um, number 10, I'm going to stroke your ego a little bit here. Um, I really liked your uh, Sam Hillard for a buck. Uh, kind of the same thing. I think he um, is, um, as, as Hampson, um, I just, I think he kind of, people just missed out on him last year and Boots kind of hyped him up and we talked shit and he never really did much. But I know he battled injuries. But, you know, I think the skill set's there and, um, you know, it, he could be a bust, but for a buck, um, I think he could also turn out to be a $20 player. So, um, he was another guy I was kind of eyeing and, um, I like him a lot. Yeah. I, uh, as you said that I, I took a sip of my beer and did a little dance because I, I agree. He's, <laughs> he was my favorite too, when, when putting this list together. Um, I had him as the seventh best overall buy. Um, again, splitting hairs, but you know, the knock on him is who knows what Colorado is going to do with the playing time. They always just seem to you know, fuck their guys over. Um, strikeouts are, have been a big part of his game, but I think he can probably get it to or under 30%, which for someone with his profile would work. If he was like, if he struck out 28% of the time, like that's not Miguel Sano territory. That's, that's reasonable in today's game. And he has big time power, you know, 30 plus home run bat, uh, borderline elite speed. Uh, he's a he's a freakish athlete. He really he's just a more athletic Joey Gallo. He's a big lefty in the box and fun to watch. And because just because you know he can do something kind of special at any given time. So if he can keep the strikeouts under thirty percent and he plays every day, I think he could go thirty twenty. He's got that kind of upside. There's a whole lot of downside with him too uh, that yep. you know we've already touched on. But but that's you know that's the kind of guy I wanted to take a shot on. I, I had a spot in the order for someone like him. Adele, Sinzel, there was a couple of guys who were like, all right, like there's some risk here, but um, you know, those are the types of guys that can, you know, you can hit home runs with. So uh, my 10th was uh, $1 Frankie Montas from Eels, uh, pitcher out in Oakland. He was excellent in 2019, really poor last year. I think he was coming off a PED suspension, if I recall. And then um, he was also pitched through a back injury. So one of those years where he looked healthy, according to, you know, how many starts he made, but he, he was not pitching healthy. Um, I think he'll bounce back closer to 2019 than the season he had last year. There were enough yellow flags to, to, to kind of push him down my board and off my list, but I, I fully realize this is the type of arm that could just catapult into keeper status really quickly um, if, if he can get back to his 2019 form. So I thought that was a pretty good buy from, from all the at the end. There. I definitely agree. Um, he was one of the $1 guys, $1, $2 guys I wanted to go after. Um, towards the end of the draft and me taking Boyd, fuck that up. But um, no, I like him a lot. And I had him last year. Um, he started great. He started his first, you know, four or five starts was just great. He was striking guys out. He wasn't really walking too many and he wasn't giving up runs. And then he kind of missed a start because of the back issues and came back and just the wheels just fell off. So I think he was just trying to pitch through an injury. And I definitely agree with you. That's a great buy. But to, right, number nine. to stick with Eli, I'm going to go with his corner infield, um, young Alec Bohm. Um, I really like him. I think he can be a cornerstone third baseman in um, MK over the next decade. 
Um, for eight bucks, um, I think that's actually just a great a great deal, especially with third base being, in my opinion, kind of shallow. Uh, I um, I like that a lot. He um, his batting average was inflated. Yeah, that's going to come down. His I think his hit percentage was like something ridiculous, like forty percent or something. But um, it was um, he's a really good player, and I think his exit velocity and all of his um, you know, baseball savant um, stat cast data just backs up that when he does barrel the ball, he hits it hard. So, um, you know, he probably just needs to get a little bit more loft and that'll happen. And this guy could be a 35 home run hitter at the corner with a 270 batting average. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he, he might, as soon as the power clicks, he could go boom. He could be like Chris Bryant. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, good, good Chris Bryant. Um, I think that the only hesitation on now is, is the power get here this year or does it take a couple of years? But, he's got the kind of the bat to ball skills that give him a high enough floor that there's no, there's no risk there. Right. Yeah. For eight bucks. That's a, that's a good buy hit percentage for those who aren't familiar. It's just, uh, it's interchangeable with Babbitt. So you said about 40%, that would be about a, a 400 Babbitt for those who, who um, aren't as familiar with that term. But yeah, I think bomb bomb is, is a good buy. He was one, he was the guy I drafted before uh, Carlson last year, the second to last round, but I, I wasn't patient enough and, uh, let him go and Ken picked him up and he reaped the, the benefits of, of his nice season once the Phillies did give him a chance. Um, moving on to, so that was your ninth. My ninth is going to give some love to Boots for $1 Willie Castro, uh, shortstop, third base eligible youngster on the Tigers. He kind of, he was propped up last year by a, a wildly unsustainable Babbitt. Um, seems to, uh, he still seems to have enough power to go 20 plus homers, enough speed to go, 10 plus steals and he's having a really nice spring, not just in terms of the stats, but he's popping up on some of those exit velocity leaderboards that suggest that, you know, that he's, he's taken a leap forward and he could hit third. Um, could it, you know, anywhere in the top third of the order, but he could hit third, which obviously would bode well for the runs and the RBI. So I thought that was a, a nice pick from boots. I definitely agree. I, um, I like, um, I like it too. Um, I think I even made eye contact with him after that. And he just said, you know, and I was, he was on my board, uh, you know, uh, like you said, he's just a shortstop. My plan this year was just kind of going for speed more than anything there. So um, I ended up with uh, Jimenez. So that was my speed. But I think Willie Castro is going to have um, more pop than Jimenez. Um, but, you know, I think you're sacrificing the pop for a little less uh, stolen bases. But um, I like Willie Castro for a buck. Um, I definitely could see that being a keeper next year. Like you said, I think he has 2010 potential and, um, in that 99th percentile or 90th percentile, you can go 2020. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there are people who he, he hasn't, he hasn't really shown much of either, uh, but there are people smarter than me that have said that it could be 25, 15, right? Like it'd be higher. Yeah. Right. So a 20, 2010 seems like a pretty reasonable, well, I know, reasonable base. I know bad X loves him. So that just tells me that Statcast likes him. So, um, so it definitely, um, you know, tells me that, you know, he's hitting the ball hard and he's barreling it a, a good amount. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number eight. Number eight. We're going to go to Sean's team. And he actually has, um, I'm going to go away from his young guys, um, you know, that he's probably going to keep. But he actually has two guys, and I'll probably get back to one of these later. But um, uh, Andrew Vaughn, I like for $12. Uh, he, I think, could be kind of like, you said you're surprised that Torkelson didn't get drafted. I, before I, um, before CJ Cron uh, got uh, sent or signed with the Rockies, 
my plan was to just go whatever I had to go for Andrew Vaughn because I didn't think he would go for, you know, 20 plus. And um, I think he has just great potential. You know, he's a rookie, so you got to, you know, you're, you're playing with fire. But, um, you know, I think he's, from everything I read, he's not going to kill you batting average. If anything, he's going to be a little light on the, <clears throat> excuse me, light on the power for first baseman. But by saying light on power for first baseman, that's 25 home runs with a 275, 285 batting average. And that definitely plays. And if, you know, he, he improves and, you know, learns to, to hit for a little bit more power, then, you know, this guy hitting 270 with 30-plus home runs is, 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 is going to be a, a great first baseman for years to come. And I just think that's – I think he's just one of those guys that has a high floor, but, it, you know, his ceiling could be just, you know, uh, elite – Right, that, that's that's my understanding too. The projections don't really love him, and as you pointed out, it's the power that seems to be the the, the downfall in the projections, which is interesting to have a first baseman who went so early in the major league draft um, be projected not to have like elite pop right off the bat. But that doesn't mean that it's not there and it, it can't develop. And, and the plate skills are something people rave about. And this, depending on how bad this injury is to Eloy Jimenez, uh, the White Sox they might have intended to dick around with the service time for a couple of weeks, but they're contenders and maybe this is enough for them to just give them the opening day nod. So that would be, that would be pretty good for Sean. And he's going to mash. Um, he's going to have that lineup. So he's going to have, you know, runs and RBIs, um, uh, a plenty. Yeah, definitely should. Uh, my number eight pick, I am, I'm bending the rules a little bit here to talk about not a buy, but a really, really nice pick in the first round of the supplemental from Ken. And that is the lefty out Miami Trevor <laughs> Rogers. Um, gosh, so for those who aren't familiar, Rogers uh, was a rookie last year through, you know, only a handful of starts, but tall, lanky lefty, former first rounder, sits 94, 95, can hit 97 on the gun. Excellent changeup that some people compare to Devin Williams changeup, like the airbender, um, just basically based on its shape and its drop and all. The, the, the knocks against him were that his command is sketchy. He had like a 10% walk rate last year. Um, so um, that's a legitimate knock. And then um, the other thing was that he didn't really have a breaking ball, but this spring he is just carving up grapefruit league hitters uh, with this slider that he's apparently revamped and it's got a much higher spin rate than he had in the past. And also apparently he found that third pitch. And so um, even though that he's unproven and the command is a bit sketchy, he's, he's the type of, of high upside arm with that kind of electric stuff that you like to take a shot on. He was, he was inked in as my last number one, my, my last $1 starting pitcher spot. Um, and there was just enough guys out there. I opted for um, another option because I figured I could land Rogers in the sup. I thought he was enough under the radar, um, but Ken was all over him. He scooped him in that first round. If he bought him for a dollar, I'd be really rattled because then we could be talking about this potential breakout player who would be a keeper. I don't really see a pathway for Rogers being a keeper with his, his first round $20 price tag, but it could still be a really nice arm for Ken this year. Um, and someone who I, I, I didn't give enough respect to the room. I thought I could get him later and Ken was all over him. Oh, I like that. I'm, I was, I'm a big Rogers guy. Um, I was actually just thinking while I was doing my research on this, I was like, Oh, maybe I can, uh, maybe I can call Ken and see what kind of trade we can work out. He's got him in the supplemental. Maybe he just threw dart, but um, there goes my you plan. Better call him now. Yeah. Rogers and I'm angry with myself for, not taking him, um, you know, when I had a chance because he, I think he can just turn out, you know, and it kind of sucks for Ken in a way because um, I think it could happen this year, but, you know, he doesn't really have a ton of keeper value um, at $20 right now. So um, if he were to keep him, but um, 
you know, I think this guy can be the best lefty in the game and five years from now we can be saying that. Yeah, he does look like, uh, I mean, the only other thing that worries me about him is that kind of velocity on that wiry frame. And I said this about Chris Sale and was wrong about it for like 10 years. But, um, you know, it's, he also just looks like the kind of guy who everything's going brilliantly and then up under the knife, right? Like the, the body's not meant to throw 97 uh, you know, when you're tall and lanky and all that. So, you know, seems like he would be a little bit elevated injury risk, but that's just kind of conjecture on my part. So. All right, uh, number seven, Ferg. Number seven, I'm going to go back to Sean's team and say $8 Sandy Alcantara, another Marlins pitcher. Um, eight bucks, um, I think he's going to be their starting day, uh, opening day pitcher. I don't know if I'd call him their ace because they have a couple guys, but um, I definitely think he has the stuff. He has you know a full arsenal of pitches, um, kind of seemed to put it together last year, and all those pitchers seem to be progressing. So I don't know if it's the development over there. It's the pitching coach. It's a mixture of everything. But um, again, I think he could be a top 25 pitcher by the end of the year. And for eight bucks, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, there's a, a lot of guys who are, are, are really high on Alcantara. Um, the, the only knock I have on him is the walk rate. He walked like you know, over three per nine last year. What was his K to walk? 2.6. So, And before that, you know, 1.8, 1.3. Like he – He's, he's trending the right direction, but he's definitely someone who has walked a lot of guys in the past. So, but I could see the appeal. He's, he throws, you know, 99 mile an hour bowling balls. Just like you can't, what's his ground ball, right? It's gotta be like around 50% and, and he just tough to square up. So I think he's going to give real good ratios, maybe a little bit of growth that needs to happen on the, on the walk rate for him to like really take the next leap, but very, very good pitcher. Uh, my number seven was my own Sam Hilliard. We already talked about him. So back to you for number six. Number six, I'm going to go with um, Keith's team, uh, Austin Riley for, what was he, two bucks? Um, two bucks or three bucks. Yeah, it was $2. Very similar to Bohm, um, I think, um, just in terms of like pedigree. But, um, you know, I know he's had some batting average issues and strikeout issues in the past, but um, they kind of seem to be uh, trending in the right direction. And, um, you know, if he's able to just kind of adjust his, uh, his launching a little bit and, uh, you know, hit a little less ground balls and a little bit more fly balls. Um, again, I think this is a 35 home run guy, and you know, it's probably like a 260 batting average. Um, but again, if he gets hot for a year, it could be a 275, 280, um, with, and I think he has, you know, I think he has the potential to be a 40 home run hitter in, in his prime. So, um, I, I, I put him a little ahead of Bohm. I think they're pretty equal, but just. You know, with $6 difference, I'd give him the edge in, in value. Yeah, I think the only, you know, potential knock on Riley is just the lineup so deep. It's hard to see him cracking the top six. So that'll kind of impact his his opportunity and his, his runs and RBIs. But he, he did make a, a – he took a big step forward with his contact last year. That was always one of his, his bugaboos. He gave a little bit of power up to do that. Um, well, he gave a decent amount of power up to do that. But it's like – maybe the pendulum swung a little too far. If he can kind of find a happy medium where his strikeout rate is reasonable, doesn't have to be as low as it was last year. And he gets some of that big time power back, which he definitely possesses. Then you are talking about a pretty intriguing, uh, you know, power bat who's not going to kill you anywhere. So and I think he might even have multi-position eligibility this year. I don't think he'll keep that, but uh, my number six uh, was a $6 Nick Senzel from demand. You know, demand left a lot of money on the table, but, I like what he did with the money he spent. He's got a few picks that I'm like, that's pretty nice. So 
Sinzel, former number two overall pick in the draft, if I recall correctly. So he's got that pedigree. The knock on him has been the health. He has not been able to stay healthy in the couple of years that he's been up so far. Um, and I don't know what his playing time is going to look like once Shogo Akiyama is back and healthy again. He could be kind of in this four-man rotation for those three outfield spots. But for now, he's uh, Akiyama's out. He appears, Senzel appears healthy, ready to break, uh, ready to break out this year. I think he could go 2020. Um, he seems like he's penciled in for the leadoff spot now, so that would obviously bode well for the for the runs. And and he could have a really special season. Like I said, he was one of those guys in that kind of power speed prospect uh, uh, build that I was looking at along with Hilliard and some of the other guys. So um, and and Senzel just went for a few bucks more than I wanted to pay at the time. Um, but I've already, I've already texted demand about Sinzel. I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I've thrown uh, demand a couple of texts as well. Uh, yeah, no, I like Sinzel too. And that actually is going to be my next pick. Um, you know, like you said, it's just, it doesn't sound sexy when you say 2020, um, but it, it's, it plays and this guy has 2020 potential. Um, you know, like you said, he's had the pedigrees battled some injuries. He has multi-position flexibility, um, I'm not really too much worried about the playing time because I think he will move around and give guys days off, especially if like Suarez is going to be playing short and stuff. I think he'll be needing days off. So guys will move around and he'll move to third. So um, I think he'll get a fair amount of at bats, but again, I think this guy is just, you know, we kind of run into that issue where we get all hype on a, on a prospect and, you know, we, we draft them and we sit on them and I think Decker had them for a couple of years and, you know, and then just, they don't live up to the, to the hype right off the bat. So, People just overlook them and just, oh, that guy sucks. Like, haha, you spent $6 on him. But I look at it as, man, you only spent $6 on him. And if he figures it out and it clicks, like, that's a hell of a deal. Two words, Kyle Tucker. <laughs> right, when we're talking about, we're talking, I'm not making a direct yep. comparison, but like, you talk about those post hype guys, right? Like, they're, you know, they're, they're still young, they still have the pedigree. They just didn't succeed right away. And so some of that shine wears off. Um, that happened certainly with Kyle Tucker and it could easily happen with Senzel as someone who, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I think people were like all juiced on him and then, you know, he doesn't pr- produce right away and it's easy to, to move on to the next shiny toy. So yeah, I like that one. You said, so that was your number five. So I'll move on to my number five, a $1 Rowdy Telez for Jimmy um, out in Toronto for spaceman. Objectively, Few people can hit the ball harder and farther than Rowdy. Um, he was the one, if you recall, a couple of years ago, that big shot out in Fenway. I think we were kind of debating yeah. on whether it actually hit the that back, um, not wall, but the, the back upper deck or not. But whatever, whether it did or not, he fucking pissed on it. And if you look at the the max exit velocity leaderboard, like he sits close to the top of that. Like few people can physically hit a ball harder than Rowdy Telez. And then last year. He, he revamped his approach. He realized, like, I hit the ball so hard, I don't, I can take a little bit off this and just try to be a little bit of a better hitter. And he actually worked with Dante Bichette since Bo Bichette went to work with his dad in the offseason, took Rowdy with him, um, and he drastically cut down the strikeouts last year and didn't really sacrifice the power. And then he had an injury that cut his season short. But uh, if he maintains that refined, higher contact approach and then just pairs it with the power that he's already demonstrated – uh, look out. I mean, I know there's a little bit of worry about him getting squeezed out of the lineup because it's just so deep, but he's one of the few lefties, and I think he could be one of the better hitters in that lineup, too. I think that was a, a really nice buy from Jimmy. Oh, yeah, I love Rowdy. He's, like you said, he's when he plays, he mashes, and you know, he's going to 
hit the ball hard and just I think he's one of those guys that you just talked about who's going to be a 400 at-bat guy as opposed to a 600 at-bat guy so um you know but in those 400 at-bats he's going to mash so as long as you can just you know fill in another person in that spot and a day or two a week that he's not going to play then you know but for a dollar and if he gets hot and they find a spot for him like you know he has I think a top five first baseman <laughs> for a buck yeah yeah I, th- I think I think he's going to play a good amount I don't know if he'll get the you know, 150 starts, but I think he's going to play a good amount. All right, number four. My number four is I'm going to um, actually go back to demand and Aaron Savali for a buck. Um, I had Savali last year. I love him. Trying to text demand to get him. Um, he's just one of those guys. He's not sexy. He's not going to overpower you with strikeouts or anything like that. But, you know, the guy has very good command. Doesn't have great stuff, but um, he's able to command his pitches a lot like Zach Davies, but with a little bit more stuff. Then he's just in that, you know, Cleveland Indians pedigree. So, you know, he just gets bumped up a little bit with that. So, um, again, I think he's a dollar pitcher who could end up in, you know, top 35, top 40 pitcher by the end of the year. If there's any organization that has earned just almost blind faith, uh, it's the Indians with their pitching staff, right? Like, not just like something like what Bieber's done, um, or Zach Plezak, for example, but uh, going back to Kluber, like Kluber never had a good fastball, but they just learned how to use his breaking stuff and just lean on all that and then kind of hide the fastball. That seems to be their philosophy. Savali is, I do think he has some, some pretty high upside. He's actually changed his arm path a little bit in spring training, kind of shortened that, kind of like the Lu- Lucas Giolito look um, to help try to give him even more command and a more repeatable motion. So, he was definitely on that short list when I was looking at those guys, you know, going for a buck or so at the end. He was definitely on my list. I don't remember the order of operations. Maybe I made a blunder going with someone else over him, but I think Savali's a good one too. And so staying in that rotation, someone I just mentioned, Zach Plezak, is my number four for Sean. Um, you know, broke out with Cleveland last year, missed a little bit of time because of his buffoonery and going out and partying with Clevenger and, uh, during you know a pandemic and all, but. Um, he, I think we got to pump the brakes a little bit because he, he pitched exclusively in the uh, notably bad hitting AL and L Central. Um, but the peripherals portray a legit ace, right? So even if you throw a little cold water on it, he, he's got kind of a long way to fall before he's not worth 11 bucks. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see him go this cheap. Um, I simply didn't have the plan, the budgetary plan to bid on him. Like, like I said, my most expensive pitcher was five bucks. So I had to let him go. Otherwise, you know, maybe get caught price enforcing and get a pitcher who I like, but then I have to like start adjusting a bunch of shit on the fly. And I, I kind of like to stick to my, my plan and, and ebb and flow kind of near the end, but I don't like to blow it up early. And so um, that was, I thought that was just a really great buy from Sean. No. Yeah. I don't disagree. I like police a lot. Um, I, I know you picked him up last year off of waivers and wrote him while you could, but um, I did the kind of the same with Savali last year and, um, you know, when you look at them side by side, Plesak probably has a little bit more um, upside, but um, I just like that floor with Savali. But Plesak for eleven dollars, I, I again, like you said, he could be a stud and definitely be a thirty dollars pitcher by the end of the year. So there's a hell of a lot of value there. But um, again, just I, but at the end of the day, I do think eleven dollars is just probably about where he should be going for right now. So the value there to me is definitely you know next year, the following year down the line, but. Um, but um, I don't hate it, like, especially with what was available and, you know, uh, you know, what was out there then $11 uh, basically swapping Plesak with Berrios 
um, I, I don't, I, I don't hate it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know if he'll evolve into a keeper or not, but it's, um, it, it should just be, you know, Sean's, Sean's going to have title aspirations every year. And so it should just be a really good picture for him. All right, Ferd, let's take a quick break before we come back and hit with our top three keepers or th- top three favorite buys, I should say. Hey. All right. Welcome back. Hey, sorry. Just read about them. <laughs> All good. Um, okay. So we're ready for our top three favorite buys of Stiffy 12, I believe it was. Um, go ahead, Ferd. I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, back to you. Um, and it's going to be Zach Eflin for $2. Um, I was kind of torn between him and Molly. I like Molly a lot too, but, um, I think, uh, Zach Eflin, 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 um, two bucks. Um, I think he's just showed a lot of strides last year. Um, I think D picked him up at one point and I ran into the bus odd known as, as his team, but Eflin just, um, was dealing against me and I looked into him, uh, this year and uh, he i like all the all, all the way the trends are going it's, um he seems to kind of be putting it together and figuring things out and i know I, you know it's kind of torn between eflin and pavetta for a while of who's going to be the, the next big thing for the fillers and pavetta just faded out and got dealt but i like eflin a lot and i think he'd be a top 20 pitcher yeah he certainly looked like one last year um you know only a 397 era but a 323 xfit you know 10 almost 11 k per nine uh, 4.7 K to walk he, really good year. Um, he's, I like him a lot too, but I, I mean, I, he's going to come back to earth some, I think that the strikeouts are going to come back a little bit. Um, the, the Babbitt should come back a little bit too, but yeah, I think he's, he's, he's not someone I think took a leap to a totally new level and that's his new baseline, but uh, he is someone for, a couple of bucks. I, I, I thought he was going to be a, in the Pavetta mold of someone who is like, yeah, you think he's going to go under the radar and he goes for 11 bucks, right? Like I thought there might actually be a little bit of a push on him. And so to see him hanging around at the end there and to get him cheap, I was, I was pretty happy with that. Um, my number three, people might call me crazy for this one. I'm going over to Deeker squad and I'm going with $15 Shohei Otani, the hitter. I know that he's only going to grab We'll call it, you know, best guess, 450 plate appearances. But in a, in a league like ours, a daily moves league, where you can backfill him when he's not in the lineup. Um, and we've already talked to, like, we know we all kind of carry some bench bats now because of because of the way we see those red X's pop up in our lineup so often. Uh, you take his line and you combine it with your bench, like whoever's filling in for him. And I think that's first-round potential, uh, you know, the equivalent of first-round potential. Uh, you know, a very special bat. Uh, terrible last year. I'm throwing 2020 completely out for Otani. Like certain guys, I gave it a little bit of weight for him. I didn't, I watched, you know, I watched how dejected he looked when he was on the mound. He couldn't throw a single strike and he had to be so frustrated coming off of Tommy John comes back, can't pitch. Um, I'm playing amateur psychologist, but I just have to imagine that really fucked with him. And you look at what he did his first two seasons at the plate he was like a 30-20 type of bat, you know, extrapolated over a full season. Of course, you won't get 30-20 in 450 plate appearances, but close to it when you when you when you count the, uh, you know, the the supplemental type of bat you throw in there to to backfill him when he's not in the lineup. And you just add in that, you know, good batting average, OPS, and hitting in the middle of that order. 
I think Otani is in for a monster year. I think he's going to show us something this year as to why, um, in his own right, could be considered the best player in the world. Not that he's going to have the highest war, but he's. I think he's going to put it together and show us like I can do something, some things that nobody else in the world can do. You know, as a, especially as, as a two-way player. And so, actually, for that reason, I took him as thirty to one to win the AL MVP. I think health is the biggest barricade to that. Um, which, you know, obviously that 30 to one price factors in his pitching too. I'm just talking about the hitter for, for Decker, but even as a hitter, I think he's going to put up really big numbers this season. No, I love Atani. And I think your MVP is, is spot on. I mean, obviously him winning MVP is going to be tied to his pitching as well, but um, no, I, I think $15 is about fair where you should go based off of what his expected plate appearances are. But you know, Madden's kind of doing some weird things from what, you know, rumors are and what he's shown a little bit in spring training. Where I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if he's hitting the day he's pitching or if maybe the day after he's pitching, instead of letting him sit, they might let him hit or he might pinch hit more in those situations. So um, I don't think they're going to have kid gloves like they did with Sosha and, um, you know, uh, Osmus. I think Madden's just going to do his weird Madden things and just, go with his gut and just if he wants him to hit he's gonna hit and Otani you know they're not gonna want to go two or three games without that bad in the lineup right and, and they did something the other day in spring training they're playing an NL team and NL style rules and he was a starting pitcher and leadoff hitter exactly in the same game which was dope and um it kind of got me wondering I'm like this is highly unlikely but it kind of got me wondering would they start him at DH the days on some days that he pitches Knowing that when he knowing that when he comes out of the game, they lose the DH and then the pitcher has to hit. That's a big like, you know, you might have to give it a bat or two to a pitcher, which is giving it away. But is it worth it to get two or three at bats from Otani as opposed to four or five, like two or three, about the three at bats from Otani and one, you know, from a pitcher, which is probably going to be from a pinch hitter um, versus giving that start to Albert Pujols. Right. Like um, maybe they'll do that. Like maybe he actually will hit more than than we think and i think the 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 interesting thing to me was if they do do that do they hit him lead off or do they hit him clean up and i think they're probably gonna hit him lead off because they want him to have that you know get get through the lineup quicker so they don't you know he'll have that third at bat before they really have to the pressure of do we pull him or do we want him to hit bingo i think yeah they want to turn the lineup over and get get to him as many times as possible and so i mean it still seems unlikely because like you do want to kind of protect him to some extent even you know, even if it's not those kid gloves, but Madden, you know, he usually, there's usually a method to his madness. So it's kind of a, a strange thing for him to do for just no reason. So uh, we shall see uh, who is your runner up number two favorite buy. I'm going to go to myself. Um, I didn't want to, but Joey Gallo for three bucks. Um, I understand he was what, like a 170, 180 hitter last year, but even though he was a 170, 180 hitter, he still hit 10 home runs. 23 RBIs in a shortened season. Um, again, I don't think he's a 180 hitter. I don't think he's a 270 hitter or what he was two years ago or whatever. I think he's probably more of like 240 hitter. Um, but, uh, you know, a guy like Matt Olson went for $26, where to me, Gallo is every bit Matt Olson. You know, they don't play the same position. But, uh, you know, I, I'm paying $3 for, I think, a 30 home run floor and a 50 home run ceiling and probably closer to 40, more likely, if he's healthy. So, um, and, and I think he still has a little bit of basis. So if he's going to walk, he's going to help my OPS. Um, so that's one thing, even though he's going to have a, a shitty batting average, the OPS is going to still play because his OBP is still uh, elite. 
You don't got to sell me on Joey Gallo. I kept him one year for like 20 bucks. Um, and I, I don't remember if it was a year he came out and hit 40 home runs. And, and actually, I think it was, yeah, it was, it was entering 2019. And it was the year he was hitting for power and average. Uh, and then he hurt himself and missed the whole second half of the season. But I, I'm a, I, I do like Gallo. Um, you know, you've obviously pointed out the warts around the batting average. He's going to swing and miss a lot. But um he can do a, a lot of damage and I don't really give a shit about the batting average. Honestly, like I, that is one stat. I don't punt it, uh, but I value it less considerably less than the five others. And, you know, if, if you listen to these pods, I will slip and kind of open up my book a little bit, right. And share a little bit more maybe than I should on like strategy or philosophy. But once I do, like, I don't mind just talking about it. Batting average. If you look historically, like at, the like uh, the team stats in Yahoo, you know, the, the what, what feeds the power rankings. Most other stats, you see a pretty wide spread from top to bottom. Batting average is always pretty close. And it's just because week to week, you don't fucking know what's going to happen. Like, yeah, Gallo's going to have weeks where he goes one for 18. He's also going to have weeks where he goes eight for 18. And he, over the course of the season, he is going to pull you down. But there's so much variation week to week that I just don't think it's something that you should put too much weight into in our style of game. And so someone like Gallo, I don't think that, you know, even if he goes out there and hits 225, 230, um, same thing with like a Sano or whatever. I think the the damage he can do with the OPS, the power, the RBIs, it, it more than offsets um, some of those bad weeks on the batting average. Yeah. And the only thing that concerns me a little bit, it, you know, like I said, I'm not, I don't care so much about the batting average. That's why I was high on him. And you know, I even took Odor last year you know, them together was abysmal, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, like you said, there's going to be weeks where they just kill you, but you know, those weeks you can drop, you can bench them, but you know, there's these guys, these are the guys that, you know, if they get hot at the right week, man, they're going to carry you in the playoff or, you know, it's just, you, 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 you ride it and you ride it long and they're going to, he's going to, you know, I don't doubt if he's healthy, he's going to be a 35 home run hitter. Like he's just, even if he's a 180 hitter, like he's going to hit 35 bombs. That's just what he's going to do. And, that's a new park and I don't know how it really plays yet. And I don't know if I even trust the numbers from last year. You got to kind of wait a couple of years, but he, his power plays everything. So I'm not worried. Yeah. If there's, if there's someone who's going to be impacted by a, a less friendly hitters park or even, and a less friendly hitters ball, it ain't going to be Joey Gallo. <laughs> and from <laughs> what I'm reading, and from what I'm reading, he's working on changing his swing. And again, you know, like I, I don't know if I'm just, you know, convincing myself with stuff, but he says he's really trying to just work on, um, you know, trying to hit the ball the other way and hit it up the middle, and just he's really trying to cut down his um, his uh, strikeouts. And you know, he's actually said he's trying to lower his launch angle because he said even if I lower my launch angle by a few degrees, I'm still hitting bombs. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, and that would be good for him. He's a 270 career Babbitt because he does hits the ball in the air so much. Um, yeah, he could trade maybe five homers for quite a bit of batting average there. And that's, yeah, that's like, a game changer. I, yeah, and what I liked about it is is he's very aware of like his his shortcomings. Like he said, like. I hit the ball in the air too much and you know it's just they're flyouts and if i just lower that launch angle they're home runs or they're you know in the gap and so he's he's very cognizant of it just like hey, i'm a big powerful guy let me just have the craziest launch angle he's still trying to lower it so you know i like to hear that yeah i'm surprised to see he's only 27 he just seems like he's <laughs> been around longer um all right so that was your number two right so mine is one dollar Another AL West outfielder for cup check, Mitch Hanniger. Uh, Hanniger only played 60 games in 2019 due to an injury. Uh, zero last year. 
so just largely off the radar, I think. I mean, everyone knows Mitch Hanniger, but hasn't given us anything to get excited about over the last couple of seasons. But you look at the previous two years, um, 280 hitter with 25 homer power, chip in speed, you know, eight steals or so, which definitely plays in today's game. Um, and, and good counting stats hitting a top or the middle of the order. He's been leading off the last 11 or 12 games straight for Seattle in spring training. I think that's probably a trend we can um, you know, put some stock into at this point. I, I expect him to be there on opening day so he can put up a lot of runs. And since he does have a nice walk rate and all, the OBP will be there. I think he could put up a really nice season. And, I mean, I understand why no one was you know, doing backflips over a 30-year-old Mitch Hanniger who's had, let's see, uh, 280 plate appearances in two years uh, and only one game, one season where he played more than a hundred games. Um, but he, that's really, he kind of got a late start to his career. He finally got his chance in 2018. That's when he broke out and then he had the injury following that. So um, I think those are, those numbers are a little bit deceptive as far as his durability and he looks like he's ready to go. So I think that was a really good pick from Cup. No, I like Enneger a lot too. Like, again, I just feel like he's the only downside on him is just kind of like, I'm be like, broken glass he's always kind of banged up and hurt um but like i like when he when he plays he's he's solid he's gonna help you with the batting average he's got pop um as he ages you know i know he had some stolen bases so we'll probably see those decline but for a buck i think he easily could finish the season as a top 30 outfielder and you know for a buck that definitely plays yep yep all right Ferd. here we are let's go time your favorite pick from last weekend who was it Uh, it's it's a little, I don't want to say pricey, but $9, chance Sanchez for Ken. Um, I know we're kind of, uh, you know, applauding the Marlins um, rotation, but um, Sixto looked elite last year at times. Um, I know he's still got some growing to do and some learning, but um, I know I kind of keep like placing these guys in the top 30, top 40 kind of area. I'm just trying to give a, you know, broad stroke of where I see them. And I think this is a guy in three years could literally be a top, 10 top five starting pitcher in baseball. Um, so for nine bucks, I, I definitely, I, I love that. Um, and I even think it could happen this year if things just go right, but um, I'm big on six though. Yeah. It didn't, didn't really show enough swing and miss for my liking last year, but um, I mean, 58% ground ball rate, like that's hard to fake. That's and for 22 years old to be able to just kind of have that kind of uh, composure and approach on the mound is pretty impressive. He looked like a veteran out there. He, and he, and he had a little bit of swagger too. I know his pitches are great. His fastball is great. His changeups great. Even his slider is above average. So, um, yeah, I think he there's a leap to be had. I just, it's just when does it come? Uh, I I'd like to usually go for pitchers with a little bit more track record, or for the younger guys, maybe someone not even as safe as 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 uh, Sixto, but someone who has demonstrated at least like a big swing and miss capability. Um, so I didn't I didn't love him, but I totally get it because the. That's, that's one shortcoming in my game. I've o- openly admitted is I'm not really a good prospects guy. And even though he's now made seven big league starts, he's still kind of a prospect in my eyes. And so maybe it's just my own um, inability to project the, what I haven't seen on, in numbers yet. Um, that, that's kind of keeping me down on him. But I know a lot of really sharp people think that along the lines of, of, of that you do is that he's going to be pretty special pretty soon. No, yeah. And I, and I also just think something's going – they're doing something right in Miami um, pitch, pitching wise, developing them because, you know, a lot of these guys, even Pablo Lopez, I know you had some stock in him a couple of years ago and he's definitely progressed in those couple of years and Alcantara has, and um, you know, not everybody has, I know like Caleb Smith never really figured it out, but uh, 
I like how they're developing pitchers and, you know, they're not up to the same level as the, as the Indians are right now, but um, I have stock, I put stock into how they're able to develop these pitchers. And I know you said he doesn't have the swinging mitts now, but I definitely think it's there. And once it, once he finds it and it clicks, like, I think we're talking about like, you know, a Walker Bueller type, type pitcher. Jeter, baby, knows how to develop that rotation. <laughs> yeah, but that, that, so Alcantara, age 25, Pablo Lopez, actually younger than Alcantara by six months. That's crazy. Although I do love Pablo Lopez. Um, Eliezer Hernandez, who was another guy yep. with like 10 bucks to Ken, 26 years, almost 26. Sixto, 22. Trevor Rogers, 23. So five really interesting arms all under the age of 26. Uh, something pretty good happening there. I like that. Um, I, I think they got to figure out how they develop their bats though. Cause it seems like all the guys they try to bring up, they just, there's a little bit of intrigue to them, but they all strike out like fucking 40% of the time. Right? Like Lewis Brinson yeah. is like the oh, poster God. child for them. But then it's like, you know, that jazz Chisholm guy, like the, the, everyone that they, that they try to develop just seems to have so much swing and miss in their game. It's like, right, I love Chisholm. Like I, I want to like him so bad, but it's like, he has the exit velocity and everything, but it's just like, man, like those strikeouts. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my favorite buy of the auction, I didn't just do this because you're my co-host for $8 CJ Cron. Um, I really liked him last year, drafted him in the supplemental. He blew his knee out in like the second week of the season. Um, but over the last couple of years, he's really developed into a solid hitter with, with plus power, legit 30 plus home run power. And he doesn't really sacrifice contacts, you know, maybe at, at the worst 25% strikeout rate. Um, but can probably even you know, drill it down lower than that. And um, the, you know, the only yellow flag is the Rockies are notoriously terrible for managing their roster. Sorry, Sean, but you know, they might give away a hundred or 200 of his at bats to Josh Fuentes or someone who really doesn't deserve them. But if Crom plays every day, um, he should play every day. doesn't mean that he will. If he does, I could see 280 with 35 homers, 850 OPS, a hundred RBIs. Like I think Cron, as long as they just the Rockies don't screw him over, I think he could be in for an excellent fantasy season. Um, I, I think I was uh, the seven dollar bid, and, and you and I were kind of going back and forth for for some reason. I let him go. I must add something else in mind. Now with those fourteen bucks left on the table, um, sure wish I went a little bit higher on Cron because I think he's in for a really good year. Yeah, and I you had I don't know if you already at that point had Josh Bell, but Josh Bell for seventeen dollars is is a great deal too. So I can see why you kind of fight out out, but. Uh, yeah, I was I like I said, like I, I my original plan was to go Andrew Vaughn and then maybe draft Spencer Torkelson as just a kind of a backup. But um, once I saw the news that Kron signed with the Rockies, like I was dead set. Like, because uh, you know, looking at my team, like I didn't really budget a lot for um, the infield because I knew I wanted to go after some of those outfielders that I went after. So um, I told myself like I have to try to find a good uh, first baseman like you know in 15 20 maybe 25 range at tops but um i i thought i i thought he was i thought a couple people would go in on him with me because he moved to colorado and people would just be buying into that power and that batting average spike but um very pleasantly surprised that it only cost me eight dollars because i was willing to probably go up to 20 to be honest with you yeah uh, there's there's a few guys every year where i'm like oh, i know that i know i like them um I know that they won't have a, a huge following, but I know there'll be one or two people that are not going to let this guy go. <laughs> and yeah, it's kind of how I felt about Cron. I was even looking at like, like I looked as I was getting ready on like Friday night, I looked at his average draft position and stuff, even in recent drafts, like since he signed with Colorado and it was around like pick, you know, 200. I'm like, which would equate to like 
a few dollars in our in our league. I'm like, there's no fucking way anyone is letting CJ Crone go for two dollars, right? Um, and I was <laughs> and I was surprised he only went for eight. You know, you and I could have gone back and forth for quite a while there. I mean, he's thirty. He's 31, right? So, I mean, there's other players on this list that I could hear, you know, in the comments already, like, really, CJ Cron, they're, they're number one, instead of some of these guys who, uh, Arati Telez, who has, you know, similar upside, who's only a dollar and, and, you know, six, seven years younger. Totally fair point. I'm just kind of looking at what I think could be a monster year for Cron this year. And we're always, as, as much as we want to, you know, account for future salaries and potential and breakouts and keepers, it's all about flags fly forever, right? And, a, and an $8 CJ Crone is a nice piece to add to uh, to your offense to try to get on that, that on that trophy. So that was and, a really good pick. And just before you wrap up, um, you know, doing this, I, I, I overlooked somebody. So I just want to say this person probably would have been on my list somewhere in the, in the you know, 10, 11 range probably. But I liked Mike Soroka for a buck two on, on Cubs team. Um, again, just a, not a high ceiling guy, but guy's got a – a top 30 top 40 starting pitcher floor for a buck like solid solid <clears throat> yeah another guy that we'd we'd probably see sooner uh if we had a dh but Cup's gonna have to wait a little bit longer while uh while he gets that knee that knee fixed up i had him last year and it was for only like six bucks i was pretty excited and then first or second start he's like fielding a bunt or something and just pop <laughs> that's yeah. not good so yeah, I did. I thought it was it was it his Achilles or was it his knee? Yeah, I think you're right. It's his Achilles. I just knew it was like lower leg. But yeah, that's always a concern because you know if, I don't know if it's his plant foot or what. But you know that's probably you know. But you know it's science is great, and I'm sure he'll rebound. And um, the guy's a control um, genius. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely pitches beyond his years. He was like what 22 or something when he had a breakout, maybe 21. Low like strikeout guy, crafty vet. Most strikeout guy, but he's always, you know, I'd be shocked if he has an ERA in the four. Yeah, I I agree. All right, man. Well, I I think we're sneaking up on 90 minutes, and so we'll kind of cut it here, but really good stuff as always, Ferd. Like I said, by the time folks are listening to this, we'll be a week away from opening day on April 1st, Ken's birthday. Um, And I think uh, I open up against Sean. It's a big one. And I don't know. Do you know who you got yet, Ferd? I honestly haven't looked, but I have it open. So give me one second. I'm going to kick Constant Constellations ass, who is Nick. Nick, (laughs) Nick Nick always drafts well. He did it again this year. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I wasn't excited to play Sean in the first round because now now we have we play each other twice. It's uh, that fully balanced schedule without the divisions. And so these these tend to matter. I played Sean in the finals last year. The tiebreakers matter. And um I don't feel like, with especially with this gallon injury, I don't feel like I'm quite ramped up yet. I kind of want to make a couple little tweaks and feel a couple things out, um, let my roster shake out before I really get into the heat of the competition. But this is like that, you know, week one college football, where all of a sudden it's like Notre Dame, Alabama. You're like, oh, shit, like a number two versus number four. Why can't we wait a little bit until these guys get warmed up? But me and Sean are going to take the gloves off in week one. So... He'll he'll get his rematch attempt for for last year's title game. I can't wait, man. I'm anxious. It's uh, last year was fun, a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. But I'm anxious to have a full season in front of us. It does feel good to have a what seems to be a pretty normal uh, fantasy year in front of us, and I'm even starting to look at Angels tickets. So wow, that's uh, something I didn't think I'd say for a while. Nice. So uh, thanks everyone. I had a blast uh, seeing everyone on Sunday or Saturday. So uh, I'm ready to. Enjoy the season.
yeah great stiffy great party thanks eels for hosting and everyone for contributing and uh we'll, we'll let's get it on one week from today all right take care guys